everybody. Welcome to another episode of Breaking Down the Doors. I'm Joe Rexo, Tennessee Sports Columnist, here with Adam Sparks, our Vanderbilt beat writer. We're in the Tennessean studios. And Adam, before we get into Vanderbilt's win over TSU, Vanderbilt's big game at Georgia, I think we need to talk about Christian Abercrombie, the Tennessee State University player, life-threatening injury in this game, incredibly scary moment, an outpouring of support and prayers for his family, still a very delicate and dicey situation. I want to ask you about your perspective of that, because of course you were there and it was, I, I think, one of those somewhat confusing situations as it unfolded at the time. I do want people to know who are listening to this. There is one GoFundMe account that is NCA sanctioned. You can go there. It is GoFundMe.com slash Tennessee-State-Univ, U-N-I-V-Athletics-Department, D-E-P-T. That's the address. You can go there to contribute for Christian and his family. As of this recording, they're past 21000 of a goal of 250000 Of course, this is some very serious you know, situation, very serious medical procedures, and he is fighting for his life. So, Adam, I want to ask you, first of all, I mean... And, and, and we should say, uh, yeah, that's hard to remember that web address. It, it's yes. Tennessean.com, Mike Oregon, has done a number of stories on there. You can look anywhere on our site right now, and you can find information about that GoFundMe. That is probably the better way to go, yes. Yep. Uh, there are other ones that apparently were started, and, you know... Of course, you know you have to worry about NCA rules. So sure, this yeah. one is uh, yeah that that's really that's important, important at times like this. But but <clears throat> as it is, I mean, you want something that you know wouldn't result in NCA sanctions of any sort. So that's the official one to go to. So you were at the game, Adam. The much closer than expected win over TSU for Vanderbilt. Your perspective on this injury, what you saw, and how you sort of learned about it as as the day unfolded well i think we, we can both say uh a lot of times the, the worst injuries are the ones that you really don't notice as horrible injuries in the game and obviously head injuries can be that yeah so we're all sitting up there in the press box and we had three of our riders up there uh, mike organ covers tsu and i cover vandy we also had dave ammon who's our columnist and we started getting tweets during the game what's up with the tsu player that was taken off on a stretcher and we started kind of doing an informal informal poll around the press box. Do you know anything? Do you know anything? And nobody knew anything because Abercrombie got hurt during the, during during a play. He walked off on his own strength. He kind of collapsed, I think, on the sideline. Had some issues there also on the way to the locker room training room. And so it wasn't something where he was lying down on the on the turf and and had to be attended to. You know, just nobody knew it until well after the fact. So you know, as head injuries usually go. You know, you don't know instantly that it's that that bad of a situation. You know, I talked to Derek Mason the other night because after the game, Derek Mason went directly. Him and Rod Reed, TSU's coach, have been good friends since I think basically the first week that Derek got here back in 2014. They've been they've been close friends. And uh, after the game, Derek Mason left uh, Vanderbilt Stadium, went directly to. Uh, to the medical center, to Vanderbilt Medical Center, stayed there till I think about one thirty in the morning, one thirty a.m. Sunday, and then and then I know some staff for TSU showed up the next day around lunchtime Sunday, and Derek Mason was leaving then. So I think he went home. If I understand right, he went home, got a few hours of sleep, went came right back uh, Sunday morning. Part of that is, you know, I mean, Derek Mason is a good guy, caring person. 
you know, any coach kind of that resonates with him when a, when a player is injured in that way, especially life-threatening. He's also close to Rod Reed, as I said, but he has a little bit of a history with Christian Abercrombie because he recruited him at Vanderbilt. Uh, Abercrombie's a really talented linebacker, 6'1", 230, a guy that could play at Vandy. He redshirted one year at Illinois, played one year at Illinois, and it would have been a year after Keyshawn Vaughn came from Illinois to Vandy. A year after that, Abercrombie was looking at maybe landing at Vanderbilt or a few other places. He was supposed to come back down for a recruiting visit. There was, a, I think, a snowstorm the week he was supposed to come down, never made it, and then ended up, uh, Vandy went a different direction, and he did too, too, ended up at TSU. But there was a, there was a connection there with Derek Mason, and you know, it's 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 a terrible situation. Obviously, when this is when we're uh, when we're recording this right now, things aren't aren't great, but it could certainly turn. Yeah, it could turn either way. And you know, a, a Georgia high school a kid recently lost his life. I believe that happened in Mississippi recently as well, too. So, you know, these things obviously are scary. And you j- again, it, this is one of those where like there was nothing obvious, uh, but you know, s- something serious resulted from it anyway. So, you know, this is. I mean, this is at every level. Now, you wonder how long people had how long players had head injuries that weren't properly diagnosed i know this is a far larger topic than this podcast but you know i remember pat and robinette vandy's quarterback a few years ago had two and a half seasons left of eligibility was a starting quarterback in the sec and said i'm going to medical school i want my brain to be a hundred percent and he had had a couple of concussions he had one in high school had a couple at vandy at least um, and he said, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I've got more important things to do than this. So it's changing every level of the game. The Georgia kid that was a high school player that died. This is a college player we're talking about. Obviously, in the NFL, they're trying every rule they can think of to try to prevent this. It's not going to ever be prevented. I tend to think this the storyline of head injuries is not going to – we know it's not going to go away. I feel like it's only going to grow and grow and grow over the next few years. Yeah, and it's situations like this that I do think that there are, I mean, there are people who take the information, and there's been tons of research done, tons of stories done, and and take it too far, you know, like, oh, if you play football, you're getting CTE, and you're going to, you know, have, you know. so that's fine, but I get very upset when people say, you know, football's under attack, the media is doing this or that, it's like, like this is important stuff, guys, this is these are human lives and we've learned a lot of things that really it's still hard for me to believe that we went as long as we did without knowing some of these things but that's that's reality and this is not something to brush aside or look at it like it's some sport under siege i mean we're, you know it's it's about trying to make people safer here so well there's no enemy i don't understand the two but sides there has to be though some right, people just right. have to make an enemy out of this and that's what angers me yeah i mean the 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 enemy is 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 health is head injuries yeah. i mean that's nobody's pushing that agenda it's just it's a bad thing happening, and people are trying to figure out different ways to prevent a bad thing from happening. But you'll hear a football coach here and there go off about how this is the media making. Oh, know, sure. And it's just like, please look around. I mean, people want people to be safe. I mean, this is not, you know, this is not like the soccer, you know, like, you know, soccer, uh, you know, crowd trying to ruin football or something. I mean, this is real stuff. And I, yes, there are concussions in other sports. I've hear, I hear that a lot too. But let's face it, this is the only. 
violent collision sport we have going like this. Even it's not like hockey either. That's probably the closest to this. It's this, there's nothing else quite like this. Well, and the game is supposed to evolve with science. I mean, you and I are around the same age. I don't know if this happened when you were coming up, but I, I remember the year that I was in high school where we went from a water break. Uh, you can be punished by taking away your water break. Oh, no question. To the next year, hey, guys, they said we got to give you a water break, so you get one. You, we can't hold that against you anymore. I remember the water year. Water breaks that, were earned in the 80s. And, that's and right. The, that's I, right, yeah. And no water breaks today, guys. Two hours with no breaks until you guys can convert a third down. No water. <laughs> I, I right. I mean, there's a lot of things like that that, that you know, change for the better, which is good. But here's another example of how you just – it's never going to be perfect. Speaking uh, of perfect – we going to move on to the game? Yes, we should move on. But real, just last thing, pray for Christian Abercrombie's family. Please donate if you can, and uh, hopefully good news will come there. But, yes, perfect is probably what Vanderbilt needs to be Saturday at Georgia. The challenge is really, you know, man, for us to play our best ball, uh, you, 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 you want to know, you know, exactly what that looks like. I don't know what it looks like yet. Um, I, I've seen flashes, but, you know, I haven't seen, haven't seen this, this group play uh, 60 minutes, four quarters, and that's what it will take uh, to play to play well down in Georgia in order to be in a ball game. You've got to play four quarters, 60 minutes every snap. So, Adam, first of all, I mean, we have to look at this game. Uh, so, I want you to briefly tell me because I I actually was driving back from Athens, Georgia, or I was in the post game locker room as Jeremy Pruitt got emotional talking about his team's loss to the Bulldogs. So, I did not get to witness exactly how this all went down how do you how do you crystallize exactly what happened here with Vanderbilt and TSU um if if Kyle Shermer doesn't throw two interceptions in the first quarter which is virtually unheard of by him then Vandy pulls away in this one and this score looks more like what people thought it would be you know, if you let a team like TSU, who is really wanting to beat the, the team in their backyard from the SEC, if you let a team like that hang around enough and you give them the ball, one of the picks was returned uh, pretty far ways, uh, and it was in the end zone, so it prevented a touchdown. It was a 14-point swing on that one. When, when you do that, a team is going to get some momentum if you let them hang around, and that's that's essentially what happened. I mean, TSU's got, I don't know, it's like a dozen FBS transfers, so there's talented enough players there. In that clip we just played a second ago, you know, Derek Mason said he hasn't seen his team's best game just flashes of it and that's true i mean when the mtsu game they were good most of it nevada nevada they were good most of it notre dame they hung in with a top 10 team but they only had one good half um and they've been bad the last two weeks they're in i mean they're kind of in a i won't say a crossroads yet that'll probably be a week from now because Right. They they play well and they could get beat by by three touchdowns at Georgia. So I don't know that this is a really a good barometer game. But they've kind of got to get their swagger back. Last year they had a really bad middle of the year, and you could say, well, it's because they played Alabama, Florida, Georgia. But to do that against South Carolina and TSU is quite a different thing. They they need to clean up some things on defense. Their tackling has not been good. Their third down conversion rate has been bad defensively. Uh, red zone hasn't been great offensively uh, Kalijah Lipscomb statistically is the best receiver in the SEC right now and they're starting to get some other guys to kind of come into their own young guys there's just this big albatross over that over that offense of what are you going to do with the running backs because I mean you know if we look two games ago uh, Jamari Wakefield was the guy he had 14 carries and against TSU he had zero carries 
to be the number one, then to the number three. And he was in there. I think he started, didn't get a carry, was pulled out of the offense. And then before you know it, Kari Blassen game, who didn't touch the ball for the whole first half the previous game, ended right. up with 10 carries for 88 yards. Keyshawn Vaughn had 146 yards. You know, two weeks ago, Derek, or a week and a half ago, Derek Mason said that Wakefield and Vaughn were starting to separate themselves. And then one of those guys that had separated himself then gets no carries. The guy that was the odd man out, Blassen game, ends up having his best game. So which is it? What is it? Does it matter the week? I asked Derek, uh, asked Derek Mason at the press conference about, you know, what's the difference between Georgia using three running backs and being praised for it? You know, look, they can just roll in one back after the other, and it's this is the way you need to do it, to Vanderbilt being, being ridiculed a little bit for also using three backs. Why does it work one for, and it doesn't work for the other? This is what Derek had to say. Well, it's, it's two things. They're, they're ahead, and they do a great job of staying ahead of the chains. See, like when you stay ahead of the change, you stay on the field. When you stay on the field, there's enough balls for everybody. So <laughs> that that's that's the simple formula right there. I mean, you know, have enough snaps where you can stay on the field and utilize, uh, you know, the depths and talents of the guys that you have. And we just haven't been able to do that enough. We did a little more in this ball game, but um, not nearly enough with the turnover, you know, situation to 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 say, okay, uh, this this group is a group that can stay on the field and show balance in terms of what they do. Yeah, and I, you know, that's it's a great point brought up by you on the backs. And if you're rolling through everybody, then these things are like, ah, oh, it's an embarrassment of riches. And just hey, look at look at all the good players, and you're able to get them all work. But yes, when you're a little bit more on the fringe, and you know, you're not you're not winning every week. I just, and I also think Adam. I just think people, and I get it. They look at Keyshawn Vaughn and say, "Just give the guy twenty-eight carries and be done with it." But I also, I, I get. I'd like Blasting Games' power, and and I think Wakefield's a good player too. It, it's one of those, you know, you can say good problems they have, but sometimes it can become a problem. Because look, these guys are all, look, these are all kids who, you know, kids, young adults who I'm sure all would love to play in the NFL. I think Keyshawn Vaughn, I look at him and I say, I could see him in the NFL someday. But, of course, look, you can talk about being team first and all that stuff. It's still hard to manage a roster in situations like this. And these guys do think about themselves, and I can't blame anyone for thinking about themselves. Well, the the closest that, I, uh, you know, they're not asking me, but <laughs> the closest I think they've gotten to where I think maybe they should be was this past week. Vaughn got 17 carries. Blasting game got 10. Now, now Wakefield should get some. He got zero. And then at Notre Dame, it was it was fairly even between Vaughn and Blasting game, and they got a couple carries to Wakefield. I think you've got to go one, two, three. Vaughn, Blasting game, Wakefield. That's for me. Now I know there's internal schematic things that you know you and I are not going to be privy to, and fans certainly aren't going to. About and there's practice reps, and I think you do have to, to some point, you dangle a carrot, right? Yeah. You say who's going to work this. Well, week? and you know that they they went into the South Carolina game saying, well, Wakefield's been good in pass protection. We like him catching the ball out of the backfield, and we want to get up to the line of scrimmage and call a run, but change to a throw, to change to a passing play. And if you feel good about doing that, then that's fine. I think one thing that Andy Ludwig is running into, I know he's one of these big believers in the 15-play script, is that I think he is wrestling with to stay with that or to alter it. You know, and sometimes you get into these games and what you thought was going to be there is not there. South Carolina game, essentially, Derek Mason said that. We thought we were going to get all these different looks and we got none of them. 
And I don't know if they trashed that script or not or stuck to it too long, but you've got to be able to transition into something else. And, you know, TSU, the running game worked fine. But, boy, when you see Vaughn go for 17 carries, 146, you sure would like to get that into the 20s, especially, you know, he's a guy that can turn an eight-yard carry into 70. And you've got to have that in your offense. You know, Ralph Webb was really good. I mean, he was as durable a back as you ever find at any level. But he didn't have the pop that that Vaughn does in breaking off those big runs. For that running game to work, you've got to have that big play guy. And Vaughn does have that. I, I tend to think they're going to go more and more with Vaughn. I just don't know what they mix in. I, I tend to think most of this season we're going to get this every week. It's going to be a, a different guy left out of the fray. I don't yeah, think it's it has ever, to be. Yeah, it's it's not going to be Vaughn. I don't think he's going to be left out from here on out. If he does, then I think you've got a problem because the sense is more that they're building more to get him to to be the twenty carry guy. Well, and look in a game like this Georgia game. I mean, man, if you could if you could sneak one up down a seam and and get a long touchdown. I mean, the, the plays like that are what can keep you in a game. And I'll tell you the truth, Adam. I, I was there for Tennessee, Georgia last week in Athens. Great place, great atmosphere, very talented team. I don't think that this Georgia team is, at least right now, close to what it was last year. I'm not sitting here saying, you know, Vanderbilt has a more than remote chance of pulling something off. But I, I will tell you what, Tennessee had some Tennessee like luck in that game, or it's actually, I mean, they were, they had it to 24 12 with what looked like a chance to return a fumble the other way to make it a one-possession game, and they, and they didn't recover it because, like earlier, they didn't recover a fumble you know, that was then turned into a touchdown for Georgia. I mean, just a bizarre play. Georgia, yeah, maybe, maybe they just didn't get up for Tennessee. I don't know. But in watching them, I think that their defense, there are some things you can exploit. I think Vanderbilt will have a chance in this game to do some things if they play extremely efficient and focused and sharp football. And then, you know, I, I, I don't know about the other side of the ball, the way Vanderbilt's playing right now. I mean, I feel like you mentioned tackling. I think, again, it's just, it's it's hard up front. We saw it against South Carolina. This team just, to me, up the middle. Sometimes you look at football teams and up the middle, Vanderbilt you know, it just isn't what it needs to be to compete in games like this. But you tell me if I'm wrong. Well, I mean, uh, you know, I ask uh, Derek Mason, Kalijah Lipscomb both about trying to hit those deep balls. This has been a reoccurring theme this year that Vandy will run it, run it, run it, set up the play action, and then find one-on-one coverage right down the middle of the field. And they've hit on, I don't know, about maybe 20% of those. They had about three or four against TSU. Kalijah Lipscomb caught one. Another was batted away. C.J. Bowler, the freshman, I think had two that were knocked away. You know, they're going to get this all year that people are going to crowd the box and say, this freshman at Vanderbilt cannot beat our guy one-on-one. And they're going to keep getting that. They just have to hit on some of them. You know, they hit on a couple against TSU, and basically that's how they won the game. A couple of big balls to Lipscomb, but they're going to get that in this game. Uh, For all that we say that Kalijah Lipscomb is eventually going to get some some more, there'll be a double coverage or more safety help over the top. I still don't see it that much. I think most opponents, especially at this level, the Georgia level, look at him and say, he's a good receiver, but, you know, we've got four other guys as good as that guy. We're not going to 
we're not going to really put that much attention uh, at him as if he's you know Calvin Ridley or something. I'm so I think that might change though. Uh, I, I have to think it'll change. Well, you know, the one thing is is he's getting 10, 12 catches a game, but a lot of times those are for 10, 12 yards. And I think maybe people feel like they can just get Vandy in second and long, third and long, and can kind of minimize what Lipscomb can do. But, yeah, I mean, he's he's leading the SEC in receiving yards and receptions and touchdowns. So somebody's going to have to try something different against him. The formula for this game, number one, is they've just got to keep it reasonably low scoring. You know, I was looking at, at just the games over the past 20 years when Vandy has either beat a top 25 or lost by one score – and really, almost all those games are about 24 points or below that they give up. Sure. Yep. You, you've got to have it low scoring. You've got to get it to a, you know, a 17 to 21 type game and just try to make make the big play at the end. Vandy won in Athens two years ago. That was not the number two team in the country, but Georgia was like 26, 27. They were just about to break into the pole, and Vandy upset them in in Athens. That's a 17 to six game. And and check out these numbers: total offense in that game. Vandy 171, Georgia 421. My goodness. And I forgot that it was that lopsided. It came down to Vandy sat on the ball. They made third down stops. They turned touchdowns into field goals defensively, good, good in the red zone. And one big special teams play. The opening kickoff was returned to the two-yard line, and that set up a touchdown. It was a freebie touchdown for the offense, and that's what you're going to have to have. Now, special teams-wise, Vandy has not had a, had a good return game this year, and their, kick, their kicking competition is wide open right now. So they're either going to have a walk-on who has struggled, Riley Gay, who's been the kicker so far, or they're going to have Javin Rice, who's never been on the field, a freshman, never been on the field in, in, in a game, so on an FBS college game. So either or, that's what you're going to have to to go with in Athens. I mean, Derek was right at the beginning of the podcast or early in the podcast that they're going to have to play their best ball not to win. They have to play their best ball to be within striking distance going into the fourth quarter. Yeah, no, not, not a comforting thought with the kicking situation. Uh, but before we get to picks for this game, I, I do want to just ask you about Kyle Shermer because there's a lot that always goes on. We always talk about quarterback too much credit too much blame that's a universal football truth but I do feel like something's missing here last couple weeks just just a little bit of sloppiness like a sharpness I mean I I thought he looked like you know one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC maybe the country for stretches of that Notre Dame game that guy's got to return why has he not been that guy he was inaccurate early in the game uh against ts uh tsu both you know what the throws one of them was thrown behind the receiver in the end zone the other interception was just poor recognition he was slow getting the ball out i tend to think he's looking really really hard at lipscomb pinkney and who can blame him as the top receiver in the sec and one of the top tight ends in the country statistically and I do think he's got to break his mind away from those two guys. He's throwing it to other guys. I mentioned Bowler had seven catches, the freshman. But he's he's, he's got to kind of evolve and trust his other wide receivers maybe more than he has. You can tell he thinks there's something a, a tad bit off. Not much, but a tad bit. Because after the TSU game, you know, we're asking different guys, you know, how do you, how do you balance winning the game, which is – is the goal to playing really poorly and barely winning the game against a team you should blow out. 
And, the you know, the other guys kind of took it in stride and said, yeah, we didn't play well and we got to play better than that. And it, it seemed like Shermer, there was a little more chip on the shoulder of, you know, okay, we won, guys. We won the game. Okay, leave it alone. We won the game. You could tell there was an internal frustration there with how things were going because I'm sure he goes into that. He's not, he's not a guy that counts his stats, but you know he felt like he could go into that game, throw for a lot of yards, a lot of touchdowns, and not have the errors that he'd hit early on. So there's a frustration there, and but it's not going to get any easier. I expect him, I expect him to be safe with the ball at Georgia. I don't know if that's the right thing to be, though, because he's their best player, and he has to play his best for them to have a chance in this game. Again, two years ago when they won down there, it's because they didn't turn the ball over, they protected the ball. But I don't know if that'll be enough here. I feel like you're going to have to put some points on the board and your best player has to play his best game. And I just feel like maybe he goes into this game with that memory against TSU of really, really being super protective of the ball. And he can't do that. He's got to air it out to some extent. Yeah, I mean, you're, yeah, to have any chance in this game, you're going to have to do some things that are, are risky. I mean, you know, to me, daring, creativity, risk, I mean, th- those things – are part of the formula for this game. All right, what's going to happen? Saturday in Athens, you will be there. What's happening? Um, boy, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wrote down a score, uh, 40 to 20. I think it would be somewhere, you know, about three touchdowns, something like that. The line on this game was like 26, 28, something like that, depending on where you look. So I, I, I guess I can see Vandy being under that. But I, I have no idea how it's going to go off because – you know, a week ago, I thought this was a game that Vandy could keep it close and have a Notre Dame-type game where, you know, well, they played well. They lost, but they played well. Um, I'm not so sure now because this is back-to-back weeks. They've been really bad. If they play like they did against South Carolina, they're going to get beat by 40. If they play like they did against Notre Dame, then, you know, they'll be down 10 going into the fourth quarter, and we'll see what happens. But Georgia, you you saw them in person, but I, I still feel like even if Georgia's not the second best team in the country, they're 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 far better than Notre Dame. I think quite a bit better than Notre Dame. Yeah, I, yeah, that's a good question. I, I don't I don't know. I think Notre Dame. Remember now, of course, Notre, Notre Dame just pounded Stanford. Now, yeah. Notre Dame made a quarterback switch, and, and they are better with Ian Book, it, it appears. And Georgia's got a quarterback question because they – Yeah, I mean, Jake Fromm is good. And, of course, they have the, the – he was a hotshot freshman last year. I like Fromm. I, li- I, I like Fromm, too, but they have the new hotshot freshman field, Justin Fields, you know, top recruit in the country or one of the top couple, or you know. And so – and he's athletic, and he made some plays against Tennessee. They bring him in the red zone a little bit. So I just don't know if Vanderbilt can make either of them feel uncomfortable. You know, so I think it would have to be turnover, special teams, and great – execution on offense you got what 40 20 i got 34 17 georgia so I we're think. we're in around the same place yeah. then i don't think it's like a, i mean i you know if we're going point spreads since you know hey gambling's legal man you know, <laughs> we just talk gambling i i think vandy covers in this game but I, it's hard for me to to get to vanderbilt really pushing georgia but you, i think you have to try to set up some sort of confidence build toward what i think is a massive critical game a week later in the West End against Florida. Yeah, they have to, whether it's true or not, I think they have to show other people and especially show themselves we're fixed or we're close to fixed, which you can go to Georgia and lose by 14, hang around, run the ball well enough, not turn it over, get a pass rush back, which has suddenly disappeared, 
and just be better defensively overall, show a toughness. If you can do that, then you could say, okay, I could see this team winning some SEC games. If you go down there and you get blown out and everything that went wrong the last two weeks goes wrong again, then you say, I I don't know that this team will win a game the rest of this year. We're ready for hot takes either way. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks for listening to Breaking Down the Doors, everybody. I'm Joe Rexho. That's Adam Sparks. We'll be back next week.